0: Best of Clarezy,
1: Shane and Kimber on Mix 94.5. G'day, it's Clarezy here. These are the best bits of today's Clarezy, Shane and Kimber on Mix 94.5. Danny Green's fighting again tonight. Let's find out more. High Sense Arena Melbourne, the drama from 7.30 tonight, 5.30. Western Standard Time, the champions on the line, the green machine. How are you, Greeny? Hey, guys, how are you? Good, mate.
2: Good. Greeny, tell us, because I don't know when your last fight was. How long has it been since your last one?
3: November 17, 2012. That was quick.
2: Oh, okay. So this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's been a while since I fought.
3: My opponent, uh, Roberto Belonti's, is um, has been very active. He actually fought that same week for his first world title attempt. He was unsuccessful. It took Tony Bellew in England. And then again last year, fought um, Jurgen Bram, a two-time champion and a renowned puncher, and was unsuccessful. And he fought three weeks ago with the with second-round KO for the light heavyweight South American title. So, look. He's in, uh, he's in good nick, he's ready to rumble, he's fresh from his last fight, and uh, he's ready to go, so it's, yeah, it's going to be a tough one.
1: Mate, we bump into each other every now and then down the beach, and you've never been out of good nick. Has uh, that been just a conscious thing, to, just to stay there and just uh, keep yourself uh, looked after?
3: Oh, uh, Clevsey, mate, it's just, I guess, uh, a way of life, mate. I, yep. I've been you know, fighting game since I was 12 years old, so for me, it's, um, it's, it's just a way of life, mate, and, and being in good physical condition is something that uh, you know, I think hopefully I'll be able to look after uh, forever.
2: Does that mean you're the only person who's not nervous to jump on scales in front of other people for the weigh-in yesterday?
3: <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, you still get a bit nervous, it's, <laughs> it's just strange, sitting there getting your kid off and going, yeah, right, <laughs> so yeah, a little, puny little muscle, so it's kind of funny, but, you know, I'm used to it, I just, I, I try and relax, I try and laugh and have fun, and yeah. just, you know, it, it is what it is, I can't change it, I don't try and think about the fight, because you have thought about it a hell of a lot, so... Anything that takes my mind off of um, of the fight on, on, you know, on the night is what I try and do, and uh, you know, it's no different. So I'm just chilling out, relaxing, watching a few movies, and getting ready to, to rock and roll tonight.
1: Yeah, which is all about uh, relaxing, getting yourself in the zone. But uh, there's no relaxing when you've got a guy with a 36-3 record. No,
3: no. And he's, look, I've been around, I like have been around the fight game for mm. a long time. You know, nearly 30 years, and um, he uh, he's a tough. I, I know a tough man when I see one. A lot of guys who, who look tough aren't tough. And this guy, you can see he's tough. He's a hard man. He's not afraid of me at all. And, you know, he's ready to go. He's cocky. He's confident. He seems like a good fella. And he seems like a very, very hard man but, and for it tonight. I and mean, any,
1: anyone called the beast, you yeah. don't mess with. <laughs>
3: yeah, he's had a, yeah, he's knocked out 26 guys well, out of 36 yeah. wins. And he's never been knocked out himself. So, uh, you know, it's a tough fight.
2: I was about to raise that. In, in 39 bouts, he's never been knocked out. If you know that, do you go in? Like looking for a knockout, or you just think I'm going to, you know, beat him through points here. Like, do you have? Does it change your strategy when you really know their background?
3: Kimber, you've been doing your homework. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, it's, it's it's
3: really about um. You sound like a commentator. It's, it's, it's really just about going in there and, and not sustaining damage. I don't want to get knocked down myself. I don't want to take any damage, which mm-hmm. I know I'm going to, but that's the game. Try and negate what he's trying to do to me and try and impose my will on him. And, uh, look, I'm, I'm not looking for another knockout. I never do. If it comes, it comes. I could knock him in the first. I could knock him in the tenth. He could knock me out in the fifth. Who knows? That's the game. should be switched on and ready to rumble tonight.
1: Hey, Greeny, just a comparative in uh, sports and the physicality. I know you've got mates at West Coast and at Frio, but the derby was a pretty bruising encounter. Uh, Could you imagine yourself uh, playing footy at the top notch and the top level and the way those guys take hits from every direction?
3: Oh, yeah, I could I could definitely uh, imagine myself playing it, but uh, I just wouldn't get a kick in reality. So <laughs> it would it'd be, it'd be no good. But, yeah, the boys it was a tough game. I was watching over here, had all the crew in the room, and
0: mm. the Eagles
3: got up. It was great to see the Eagles get up. And seven goal first quarter, it was like, oh, when Jack Darling kicked that first goal, he just got on his boot. He fumbled in the in, the, in the square and mm. just got on his boot. I was like, oh, it was a cracker. So yeah. it was great to see the boys get up and have a victory. And over here in Melbourne, where I was, everyone was talking about the Derby. So it really, really creates a massive buzz, the Western Derby.
1: Yep, one and two on the ladder.
2: All right. Well, what are we supposed to say for boxing? What do we say for tonight?
3: I think you just say, probably the best thing would be say, um good luck. Yeah.
2: Yeah, good luck, uh, Greenie. Good luck, and, <laughs> good Don't tame
3: the beast, Greenie. Thanks heaps, guys. Appreciate it. It'll be on main event. It uh, starts at five PM your guys' time over there and on, on Fox Dylan. We mate. we back
2: you in, mate. <laughs> thanks, Kimber.
1: <laughs> and uh, just uh, thanks for that little bit on Dancing with the Stars, mate. You are gold. You are you are a performer. Well done.
3: Don't <laughs> <laughs> forget to bring that up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Great day, guys. So, take care.
1: We, I mentioned that the AFL took out uh, four of the top uh, five stories on the news last night. It was phenomenal. I was watching seven news mm-hmm. and it was pretty much across the board wherever you went. Yep. There's so much going on, including, uh, you know, like the golden child, the golden boy from the Essendon Footy Club, and James Heard no longer you know, uh, in control of the footy department there as coach. Yep. Uh, and, you know, 253 games, two flags, 1996 Brownlow, five times All-Australian, five times Ferris and Best. You don't get any more decorated as a it's footballer than that.
2: huge, isn't
1: it? Let's talk to Tom Brown from the sports department at Seven Melbourne. G'day, Tom. How are you, mate?
4: Morning, guys. A huge day in sport. It's not often that a biting charge will be trumped by an AFL record TV deal and James Hurd. Being sacked, a phenomenal day in AFL footy.
1: Yeah, just incredible. Got uh, people talking. And all three issues have people talking. Of course, here in the West, uh, we'll move on to the tribunal shortly. But Hurdy's gone. uh, It sort of had to happen for the club to move on, didn't it, eventually?
4: I think eventually it did. He'd survived so much. He'd survived the Switkowski report. Obviously, uh, survived those two court cases last year. It looked like they were going to replace him permanently with Bomber Thompson. He talked Paul Little out of that. But in the end, the board formed the view, and I think probably sensibly, particularly in light of their recent performances, that uh, the club simply couldn't function as a normal footy club, go about its normal business. The players couldn't go about their business while he was the coach. They formed the view that basically... Look, in the end, he was basically sacked. I know it was a mutual parting of ways, but uh, James was told last Friday by Paul Little, the chairman, that the board had formed the view that, uh, look, so long as this Asada water issue was around and uh, he was there, they couldn't move on.
2: Well, over time, Tom, do you think that James Heard will be remembered as a champion or do you think this drug saga at Essendon is just going to forever plague him?
4: Unfortunately, I think his legacy will be marked by this drug saga. You went through his record at Essendon before he spoke about that record yesterday, his family history, the standout at Windy Hills called the Alan Heard Stand. I mean, he's just got such an incredible history with the club but uh, some of the deficiencies in terms of his coaching and decisions back in 2012 in terms of this supplements program, I think the public feels that perhaps he didn't take as much responsibility as he should initially. And, uh, look, his legacy will be, I guess, uh, inked or marked a little bit uh, quite significantly by this. But, uh, look, his record is phenomenal, but it'll take a long time. He spoke yesterday about how even he has basically lost his love of football, which is mm. looks sad in a way, but it's just the way it is.
1: Mate, let's move on to that TV rights deal. It was amazing to see that power table with Kerry Stokes and Rupert Murdoch and some other men on that table who would consider themselves very powerful people. Sort of almost, uh, It was quite bizarre to see all of those big players there. It's a huge amount of money. It's uh, Channel 7, you guys at Foxtel and Telstra as well. Uh, big news story.
4: I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, I'm a bit of a media aficionado and I've got huge respect for Mr Stokes and also Rupert Murdoch. And to see them all on the one table yesterday in that record $2.508 billion rights deal was uh, was quite incredible. And uh, in some respects, it was a shame because the, the media conference was not overshadowed, but mm. the timing was a little bit out of kilter with the James Heard thing. So it wasn't mm. quite as big as you'd usually expect. But it's a huge commitment by Seven to AFL football, which, as Mr. Stokes pointed out, goes right back to the late 1950s when television was black and white and a huge commitment by also, obviously, News, Foxtel, and, uh, and Telstra. So it's a, it's a great deal for football. It's good for the fans. It'll ensure, of course, on seven that we've got Friday nights, Saturday nights, and that Sunday afternoon six are in those 12 feature games, also five or six Thursdays. So, look, uh, they'll all come for the money now, of course, the clubs and the players. I've done yeah. some math on the back of an envelope. I mean, you could see during the course of the next rights till the average wage in the AFL, the average wage. So It's an ordinary kid in the AFL start to get somewhere around $500,000, and to think that mm. seven or 800 players will earn on average that, it, is, it will secure AFL as the number one sport in this country, as was noted quite correctly yesterday, for a long time to come.
2: Well, Tom, I mean, the existing deal was worth $250 million per year, and the new deal is $418 million per year. Has the attraction to footy increased so much that it justifies that spending?
4: Well, I think you probably have to ask uh, people higher up at the TV network than me. It's a huge financial commitment that shows the value, certainly, of live sport on TV. It obviously drives subscriptions on pay television. It's uh, one of the key platforms, certainly, for Seven. And uh, it shows confidence by the networks in the sport and also shows Australia's passion for footy. Whether it's incrementally grown in that time, it's an interesting question. But if they're prepared to pay at these networks, they must absolutely see value in it, certainly. Mm.
1: And, Tom, quickly, uh, you know, the players will want to get their teeth into that, but not into each other on the field.
4: (laughs) That was controversial. Two weeks. I reckon that was a bit light on. We were discussing Mm. on radio here this morning whether you can have an involuntary bite. But, uh, look, two weeks for that. I think Alex Sorvani, I think, cop four. He was perhaps a little bit lucky. I think the AFL advocate was seeking five or six but uh, certainly a damaging derby for both Fremantle and West Coast. But, hey, let's look at the positives. Uh, deep into September, both those sides are going to feature. And I think it's great for the competition and uh, certainly great for those two clubs. And gee, I'd love to see Ross Lyon do well.
1: Mate, it's going to be bizarre uh, in a few weeks' time if there was a uh, derby final and you guys over there are calling it derby and we're calling it derby for uh, for all of the finals action.
4: <laughs> derby versus derby. I don't know which one's right. I, I'm getting, even I'm interchanging right change now. I'm getting confused. <laughs> it's all good. Thanks, Tom.
1: Thanks for your insight, Tommy.
4: Have a great
1: day. (laughs) From The Great Gatsby to Animal Kingdom, opposite uh, Christian Bale's Moses in Exodus, Gods and Kings, to Worry with Tom Hardy. Our next guest is the writer, producer, director, and one of the stars in the new psychological thriller, The Gift. It's Joel Edgerton on the radio. Joel. How are you, mate? I'm very good. How are you doing? Great.
2: We're great. Now, it's unfortunate for us we were scheduled to go and see your movie and then we had another event at work that we had to stay at instead, and our producers went on our behalf and came back saying, it is the best film, you guys missed oh. out, and they haven't stopped talking about it since.
1: But they weren't sure, Joel, what to tell us. You know, like they they started, I'm going, stop telling me because I'm going to go see it tomorrow. Stop it. The, the
0: idea of the film really is is kind of quite a terrifying one because it's very uh, close to home and, and domestic in a way because it it relates to bullying and, and the roles we play at school. And... I had had this idea about how terrifying it would be if, you know, 20 something years after high school, yep. when when you're living your life relatively successfully and and everything seems like it's all school is all in the past, that someone just taps you on the shoulder one day and is like, hey, I think I know you. I think we went to school together. And if you hadn't have been a good person back then, mm. that that actually could throw up a lot of really dangerous uh, things. In the movie, Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall play this couple, and I'm the guy that he uh, you know, has this sort of shared weird history with at school. Mm that he didn't treat me so well. And I want to be friends with them. And I start to befriend them in a way that's a little overbearing and they have to decide whether or not to have a friendship or to reject me. And... and and, uh, and what happens next is kind of, uh, you know, in, in a bit of a Hitchcock-y and kind of way, very, very terrifying.
1: Mate, terrifying is the word you used. I'm thinking about the jet black eyebrows and goatee. That was a bit terrifying just to see that, that movie poster.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, mate, be wary of someone with a hoop earring if they don't also have a wooden leg.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mate, Rebecca Hall, she won me over with a movie called The Town, but she could it'd be just as convincing as a homeless woman or uh, as, a, as she is as a Bond girl, you know what I'm saying? She's one of those kind of people. Was it The Town? Was there a... Particular movie you saw and you went, I really want to work with her.
0: Yeah, The Town was the first one that really kind of struck me, and you know, you're right. She's an incredibly versatile actress, and and um, you know, I was thrilled that she responded to this and wanted to be a part of it. Yeah, you because know, the film is also not just about bullying in school. What she responded to is about you know another theme of the movie is how we how we bully each other within relationships and how we manipulate and control each other. You know, in a domestic setting and you know, the, the real coup was getting Jason Bateman, you know, in the role because he's playing in a in a very dramatic part and we're used to watching him be funny. And I think when comedians turn dramatic, it can be very exciting.
2: Mm, absolutely. And writing your own role or writing this movie, does it feel deeper in connection for you, or is it more challenging taking on somebody else's vision when, when they provide you with a script?
0: Being an actor, you can hide, you can run and hide, or you can steal all the glory. Like, if the movie's great, you're like, yeah, I did that. If, if it doesn't turn out so well, it's not your responsibility. But, you know, writing and directing something is very much you saying, this is me, this is my thoughts, this is part of my brain up there on screen. Yeah. But writing a character for myself is almost like doing all the research that I would otherwise do in another film. It's, and the research is just purely by writing it.
1: How about to get in the, um, the mood to be... Uh, and, and get into the right zone, mate, for to be Gordo? Is that a difficult mm. process for you? Because you've written it, it just made it so much easier.
0: Well, I had a very, very clear idea about how he was supposed to look and behave. The problem was I, I hadn't realised that all that time when I'm on set just as an actor, mm. I, I always thought it was like, oh, this is all this time that I have to sit and wait for a scene to be shot. In that time, I'm usually really thinking about what's about to happen. Because I was also directing the movie, I had really no time to just adjust my mindset for, for getting in front of the camera. So I had to kind of learn to just sort of work that out quicker and, and not be so... Uh, Languid about how I was going to approach a scene. Yep. So it was really just jumping from one job to the next.
2: But see, that's great too because now we know Joel Legerton is is the name. That's a person who we know is continuing to, to be in work and continuing to produce great work. So are you doing something right now?
0: The movie I'm about to shoot is called uh, Loving and it's about a couple called Richard and Mildred Loving who got married in the 50s in the United States in Virginia mm. and were thrown in jail because she was uh, she. was was black and he was white right mm-hmm. and um, their case was taken to the Supreme Court and overturned uh, the the ruling in, in the rest of the American states that it was illegal to for people of different races to marry each other so it was a big watershed case in, in the United States and um, uh, we're about to start shooting that in Virginia. It's, it's sort of like me going back to my day job. I told the director, "This is going to be so much fun. I just get to sit and watch you go through all the agony." <laughs> yeah, yeah you have
1: to do the switch.
2: We are so looking forward to seeing the gift, and uh, even despite the fact that our producers have said they didn't want it to end. And now it's plaguing them. Um, we're still keen to go. Do
0: it. I can't wait for you guys to see it. I want to hear what you have to say about it.
1: There you go. Joel Edgerton. Uh, Kimber will have praise. Nothing but praise. <laughs> the best of Clersey, Shane, and Kimber
4: on Mix 94.5.